Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio two of our State Library staff members, Sarah Pettis and Carrie Jayshun. Sarah and Carrie work in our Collections and Digitization Department and are here today to share some interesting items from our collection. So welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Thank you for having us. Glad to have you here right in the building. You walked all the way downstairs. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, this is a new segment of our podcast. Uh, It's from our collection. And um, Sarah and Carrie came up with this idea to highlight some things in our collection, which I think is a great idea so that we can get the word out about what kinds of unique items we have in our collection. And since it is still Women's History Month, um, they have chosen two women in South Carolina's history to share today, and they are Sarah Leverett and Maria Martin. So, Sarah, I'm sure you chose Sarah because Sarah (laughs) is her first name. Well, it it (laughs) sparked some interest. (laughs) So tell us about um, Sarah Leverett, and uh, there's a publication in our collection about her, and it's called Sarah Leverett, South Carolina Lawyer, Teacher, Mentor, Groundbreaker. Yeah, so we received um, these booklets from the um, South Carolina Progressive Network, and... um, I was cataloging them because that's my job and I get to see all the new things that come through and so um, I was flipping through it and I had never heard of her before which I'm probably one of the few because she was so well known in Columbia and throughout South Carolina so yeah she um, was a lawyer um, and And a teacher and and a mentor and and a groundbreaker all the the things And so I was just reading all about her life, and I was just like, gosh, she's so interesting. She's one of the first women admitted to the SC Bar. Um, And uh, the year that she graduated from law school, she was the only woman that graduated in in that class. Really? Granted, it was also only seven people because World War II was happening and or was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And and, no, it was happening. Um, And a lot of the men had been drafted. Um, so she entered law school in 1940 with three other women, but was the only one left by the end of it. And yeah, graduated um, in the 40s and was the third woman to graduate from the USC Law School. Wow, that's impressive. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then, of course, it's the 40s and the, you know trying to find a job as a lawyer. And turns out, just because she went through law school doesn't mean she was going to get a job. So I think um, that still holds true today. <laughs> Sounds a little familiar, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she uh, was asked and returned to the USC Law School to be a law librarian and teach and was the first woman to gain faculty status there. Mm-hmm. So she was just consistently fighting sexism and unequal pay and the disrespect all throughout the 1940s mm-hmm. and 50s and further, but very much in that time and ended up really choosing her career over a husband and children, even though she would have, she says she would have liked to have had children, but mm-hmm. um, she really was devoted to her career, which I thought was really interesting. And going back, kind of her first job out of law school was at Barnes and Fulmer, and she was once asked to make sure the office was white glove clean <laughs> <laughs> for an important- That sounds like a very 40s or 50s yes, thing. for it? an important naval officer that was like coming to visit and she replied, I did not go to law school to be a cleaning service. And then she quit. Mm, so I was like, girl. okay, there you go. <laughs> and so in 1947, um, the dean, dean Samuel Prince of the USC Law School asked her to 
come back and be a law librarian, but she had no library training. So he mm. sent her up to New York to go to Columbia for the summer oh, to wow. get some training. And she said that, quote, it was a wonderful experience and she will be thankful for the rest of her life, end quote, of, of that summer because it really helped her to just learn the library side of things and then kind of combine those things together. And so she worked for the USC Law, Law School and Law Library for 25 years. Wow. So she had a lot of people come through her through her library. Um, and the, she also um, orchestrated and helped move that law library twice, wow. which is a very big undertaking. Ooh, yeah. And I, I worked at our law, libra- law school library for a, a, a short amount of time, but we were pre- preparing for that for a really long time uh-huh, uh-huh. and just trying to get rid of things um, and you know, to deaccessioning move. Yes, items. deaccessioning. There you go. <laughs> Be the official term. So that you d- we didn't have to move so many things mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, over. I didn't, I ended up moving to a different job before that, but it was still just like the prep work is a oh, lot. Sure. And so I was like, oh, dang, she, she really <laughs> did it. And then she was also involved with setting up the law library at um, SC State in Orangeburg oh, okay. um, so that they could also have a law school and a law library, but then mm. 10 years later integrated all of that as well. Okay. Um, so it was part of that. So um, one of the cool things that I found were um, just some of the big names that um, crossed her path, mm-hmm. that she uh, was a teacher too, but also like kept those friendships going throughout her whole life and people were always talking about her impact um, on all of them. So so many lawyers and judges and politicians in South Carolina, most notably, notably for us at the State Library was Saul Blatt, mm-hmm. um, who is one of our lions outside is named after him. <laughs> Saul and um, Edgar. Saul and Edgar. <laughs> um, and also Fritz Hollings, who has his name kind of on everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems. Yep, everyone. Um, and Bob McNair and John West, former governors, and Jean Toll, the first woman to serve as Chief Justice of the South Carolina Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And... I.S. Levy Johnson, the first African-American to serve as president of um, the South Carolina Bar. So she did that for 25 years and was a, had a big impact. And then after working at USC, she went on ser- to serve a six-year term at the Workers' Compensation Commission, where for the first time ever, she received equal pay because mm. of the guidelines of the job mm-hmm. um, and was able to really apply her legal knowledge, not just in theory, but really mm-hmm. apply it mm-hmm. firsthand is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And then when she left the commission in 1978, two members were appointed to fill her position. And so her quote is that it took two men to replace her. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) It's like, yes, ma'am. That's Mm -hmm. wonderful. (laughs) Um, And then also all throughout this time and and further, she had a huge role in the League of Women Voters Mm -hmm. here in South Carolina and was a major part of fighting for the right to uh, for women to serve on juries, which was finally granted in 1967. Wow, so that seems so like, late, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, really late. Yeah. And so there was just like this longevity of like, they're still here, they're still fighting. Mm-hmm. And she was a big um, supporter of all of that and, and a big leader in that group and very much, you know, was good at keeping them kind of on task mm-hmm. and knowing the legal jargon behind everything and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And was just involved with all kinds of legal groups and women's groups and academic groups throughout her retirement. She just, she didn't really stop working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> retirement of the, the resting in retirement was not really for her. So she was just always, always volunteering. Mm-hmm. And she saved the majority of her papers and, and things. She never really threw anything away. Um, and so her collection 
lives in the political collections at USC at Thomas Cooper. Oh, okay. um, wow. And it is 17 linear feet of material. Good night. Which oh is a lot. That <laughs> is a lot. So, which is cool because she, you know, was friends with Fritz Hollings. And so, mm-hmm. like, her papers now live there. Mm-hmm. Um, is any of it digitized or available online? Uh, I f- I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> People can Google that. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes. So this and this booklet, um, it's kind of a series of booklets because I know we have kind of the same formatted booklet on some other individuals mm-hmm. in South Carolina, but it's available in um, SE Lens, which is our online catalog. Mm-hmm. And um, was there any kind of excerpt uh, maybe you wanted to read about her? Uh, yeah, there was this one quote from someone that I thought was really great by uh, a former lawmaker and state attorney general, Travis Medlock, who was one of her students. And um, he met Sarah in 1956 when he was in law school. And um, he remembers her as, quote, the only woman on a really magnificent faculty. Notwithstanding her gentle nature, she was a barrier breaker for women's rights. She led with an iron fist and a velvet glove. She was a a fantastic instructor who ranked at the highest level of professionalism as a law professor. Wow. So I thought that was really cool, an iron iron fist in a velvet glove, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of reminds me of Margaret Ru- Thatcher. That, <laughs> or Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yeah, in yeah. a sense. Um, and one of the quotes, there's a ton of quotes in this booklet, um, but one that I really liked uh, was, there is a value in looking at our history the way for all of us was opened by those who walked before us. Mm. So I feel like she, with, with her longevity in the profession, um, and in South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, she had a lot of knowledge, and she shared that knowledge a lot. And so she, I feel like she was a good person for really bringing all of that together. And uh, I was really sad to to see that, because um, I, I also Googled her after I saw mm-hmm. this booklet, mm-hmm. um, that she passed away in August of last year. Oh, okay. Um, so I, and when this was written, um, it was only a, a couple years ago, so she was... Mm-hmm. Still going then. But yeah, she, she died at the age of 98, so she lived a really wow. long life, um, which is just really impressive. And such had such an impact that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's you, I, I've never heard of Sarah Leverett, and it's kind of these kinds of stories that I think it's very important to have this kind of documentation about. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, and so Carrie has found uh, lots of information on Maria Martin. So what do you know about uh, her from our collection? Well, I first heard about her through social media. I just started to see her name pop up. Mm-hmm. And from personal reasons, I just started to look her up and then I found out she was from Charleston. She was She's not very contemporary like Sarah Leverett. She's uh, born in 1796. Wow. And she was a naturalist and scientific illustrator. Uh, so a naturalist is someone who studies the natural sciences like zoology and botany and ornithology, like the study of birds. And uh, she was known for working with Reverend John Bachman, uh, John James Audubon, and John Edwards Holbrooks. So uh, Reverend uh, John Bachman was actually her brother-in-law. Her sister Harriet was married to him. And uh, so Maria lived with Harriet and John Bachman uh, because Harriet had 14 children in 15 years. Oh, and so she, <laughs> so she often like took care of the children and oversaw their education. And uh, Harriet was always very sick. And so when John Bachman, who had a very high interest in natural science, and he would go on trips, Maria would go with him instead of Harriet and would assist with him. And eventually Maria met 
John James Audubon through John Bachman. John James Audubon is one of the most famous American naturalists in American history. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I think when a lot of people think of naturalists in, in historic times, they always think of a white male figure. You mm-hmm. know, I think they don't tend to think of, of maybe having them having assistants and, and people who mm-hmm. worked with them. Yeah. Right. He didn't do it solo. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. John Audubon had three major assistants, and Maria was one of them, and she was the only woman. Okay. So when Audubon met Maria, Maria just, she casually painted, you know, uh, she would paint like um, butterflies and flowers just for fun because it, it was what they did back mm-hmm. then. And uh, Audubon saw her, her potential, her, her talent, and he would ask her to come paint with him and he would show her his techniques and she picked up on it right away. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, pretty much took her on as an apprentice and said, come paint for me for my science work. There's a quote from Maria Martin's World, a book that we have in our collection mm-hmm. by Deborah J. Lindsay. On page nine, it says, what is perhaps more remarkable is that she would spend her leisure hours in activities denied most women of her generation. Although botany became fashionable among women in the 19th century, Maria Martin's participation preceded that development. And it occurred in a place where science was dominated by men who could not contemplate a role for women in their organizations. And yet in many ways, the Southern evangelical Lutheran woman who lived in a world in which patriarchy dictated place and position, found herself in a world inhabited by men. Most obviously, she worked alongside Audubon, spending hours at the easel painting native flowers, shrubs, branches, as well as butterflies, beetles, and more. Hmm. So she had this privilege that not mm-hmm. barely any women had exactly. in this century uh, to just do whatever she wanted because Audubon kind of saw her talent, mm-hmm. which is pretty lucky. And, and are there are there images in the book that she's done? Oh yes, there's okay. there's many um, plates as they call them okay. uh, of her birds and her flowers. Um, in various works, Audubon would draw and paint the bird and Maria would do the background. So she would do the leaves and the flowers. Sometimes she'd add butterflies. Uh, oftentimes she would paint flowers from her own garden in Charleston. Mm. Hmm. She would just go outside and she would see a butterfly and like, oh, I'm going to add that to, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> you know, John's picture. And uh, she would often use things like azaleas in her work. So Maria Audubon and Bachman were very close friends. Uh, they would all spend time together. Audubon and Bachman were said to have often flirted with her, mm. and they, in their personal letters, they would refer to her as our sweetheart. Uh-huh. So behind her back, <laughs> they would say like, "Like, hey, John, like, our sweetheart stopped by today." <laughs> oh Doesn't happen nowadays, does it? <laughs> After Maria's sister Harriet, uh, she passed away from illness. Two years later, Maria actually married John Bachman. Mm and help take care of their children. Uh, So she became the matriarch of the household, but she still continued to work with Bachman and Audubon and their work. Audubon and Bachman really did appreciate her work and contributions to their volumes and projects. In a letter from John Bachman to Audubon in January of 1836, this can be found in The Audubon Reader by John James Audubon and edited by Richard Rhodes on page 498. Maria, good girl, has sent you a few drawings of shells as evidence of what she will send you in a few weeks. She is my right and still paints for me, keeps butterflies and even toads and snakes if I should wish them, makes caps for the girls and breeches for the boys and works for everybody but herself. 
May she be rewarded with a good husband, and may you and I crack a joke at her wedding. <laughs> Which is funny because he also eventually married her. Yeah. So that, yeah, that is kind of weird. <laughs> Different he, times. He becomes the good husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so this would have been when in the, what part of the 1800s? About the 1830s. Okay. To she passed away in 1848, I believe. Okay. So about about 1830s. Hmm. Um, so Audubon also, as a thank you to her work named a bird after her. Really? Mm-hmm. It's called the Picus Martinet, which is means uh, Maria's woodpecker. Mm. <laughs> but um, also I found out recently that that woodpecker was not a newly discovered woodpecker. He thought he <laughs> discovered it, but apparently <laughs> Linnaeus discovered it. Oh, wow. And was already named... So <laughs> it didn't it's, quite work out. Still, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> I thought you were getting ready to say because her name is Maria Martin that sh- the purple Martin is. No, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, the Picus Martinet. Picus Martinet, and she's also in the South Carolina Encyclopedia, isn't she? She has yes. an entry in there. She mm-hmm. has an entry on the South Carolina Encyclopedia. There's a lot of information about her. There's also a small bibliography at the bottom that you mm-hmm. can see more information about her. Yeah, I I was not expecting so much. I, I had never heard of her before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's just a boom of information, yeah. which is amazing. That's cool. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people probably have never heard of her, but they've heard of Audubon, mm-hmm. you know, um, but but not of her. Speaking of Audubon's, I spoke with Jessica Dame, our digital curation and preservation librarian. And she was mentioning to me an interesting story about our copies of Audubon's uh, Quadrupeds of North America and several prints of illustrations. She told me that several years ago, our basement in the State Library used to have all the stacks Mm -hmm. rather than where we are now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, in the back corner of the stacks in the basement, several prints were found that looked like Audubon prints. Mm -hmm. So they had someone from the University of South Carolina come in and he said, yeah, these look kind of real, maybe get a second opinion. Uh, I would preserve them uh, if I were you. So they sent the prints out to Renewal Inc. in Columbia and they were gonna do some conservation work when they found a watermark that was John Audubon's watermark. So mm-hmm. they were official, real, original prints mm-hmm. by John Audubon. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so now they're conserved and preserved and they're in our collection. But at the same time, Jessica was doing preservation work in our rare books collection mm-hmm. in the cage, mm-hmm. as everyone calls it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and she found copies of Audubon's Quadrupeds of North America. They had been pushed in the back and kind of forgotten about and mm-hmm. they needed a little tender loving care. Mm-hmm. So she uh, sent them off to a conservator in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and he made these um, clamshell archival boxes for uh-huh. them. And these volumes were actually kept in their original cases. So we have the original cases of these books, too. Hmm. The original mm-hmm. first edition John Audubon books. Wow. <laughs> and the cases are held in the Rare Books collection, and these Audubon books are now in this nice archival mm-hmm. box. So mm-hmm. it's nice and preserved. And I found out relating this to Maria Martin, (laughs) that Audubon died before these books were published, before they were finished. Mm -hmm. And Maria Martin and John Bachman finished the volumes and published it. But Maria Martin didn't do any of the illustrations. Mm. She did all of the text, which is very interesting because no one, like women doing that is crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She, uh, 
she worked on all the taxonomy and she worked on the text. She didn't do any of the illustrations. Mm -hmm. I believe Audubon's sons mm -hmm. did the illustrations because okay. they were they often assisted Audubon. Okay. So I thought that was fascinating. That it's wow. you know it's inspiring to hear about a woman in science and natural history going so far in her time, mm -hmm. and it was difficult for a woman to do that sure. and she got so much recognition for her work mm -hmm. even in some of the books it'll say illustrated by maria martin okay mm. so in the text wow. that men would see they would see that this female figure had yeah. a huge mm -hmm. impact in it mm -hmm. and the um the audubons that uh we had conserved those are the ones on display in our one of our research rooms here on the first floor right mm -hmm. yeah yeah right. they really are impressive yeah. they're mm -hmm. beautiful and as far as the the rare books go that have been conserved. Can people come to the State Library, maybe set up a time to view them? Yes, they can. They can come in and uh, we can get them all set up for them to look at it. Mm -hmm. And if you're here on the weekend, oh well, because we're <laughs> only open Monday <laughs> through Friday, 8.30 <laughs> to 5 p.m. So if you'd like to come in and see them. Now, do you, are they the kind of, of delicate things you have to, you know, like wear white gloves to, to look at or? I don't think so. I think it's more just like wash your hands so right. yeah, there's just no, no, oils, no or oils or anything on them. Sometimes with certain delicate books, it's safer to use your bare hands than it really? is to use because the cotton gloves can catch and tear the page. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, so it really depends on the yeah. item you're mm -hmm. viewing. Right, right. Okay. I would talk to Jessica Dame. Okay. She would be the person to probably get in contact with to also see okay. the rare books. Mm -hmm. She'll be the one doing all the handling with those. Okay. She's mm -hmm. the most knowledgeable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, people can definitely go to our website and, and um, learn more about all of this. And also on uh, this podcast entries page, we will have links to Sarah Leverett, South Carolina lawyer, teacher, mentor, groundbreaker, and that was the publication by Becky Robbins. And um, also these booklets are available for free online, so we'll put a link there. And as far as information about Maria Martin, the two publications uh, we have available in SE Lens, our online catalog, and that's Maria Martin's World, Art and Science, Faith and Family in Audubon's America, and that's by Deborah Lindsay, and also The Audubon Reader by John James Audubon, edited by Richard Rhodes, published by Everyman's Library. And uh, we'll also put a link to the uh, South Carolina Encyclopedia entry on Maria Martin. So if you're interested in learning more, you can definitely go to our podcast page and click on those links to see some more interesting stuff. So thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you for having us. It's a great idea and great to learn more about information about our collection. So thank you for being with us today. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.